We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 26th, 2012. <clears throat> and we're going to segue now into um, more, again, of the radical Muslim Islam agenda and how that relates to the United States and Israel as well, and also World War III. Next article is entitled Radical Islam Joins the DNC. Here I'm looking at this wonderful uh, advertisement. It's called Juma at the 2012 DNC, which stands for Democratic National Convention. This is the upcoming convention in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is, Charlotte's only about 45 minutes away from me. Uh, Democratic National Convention, a message to the grassroots. It's from August 31st to September 1st, and they show this illustrious guest uh, panel of illustrious uh, <clears throat> radical Muslim guests that they're going to have speaking here. To me, this is just unbelievable, this this article, how flagrant it's getting, how <clears throat> much evil is being called good in this country and good being called evil. This is just a great example of that. Starting at the end of this month of the Democratic National Convention, it will open with a focus, a focus on Islam. Like, that needs to be the focus of the, of the Democratic National Convention. You know, I mean... <laughs> Anyway, 20,000 Muslims are expected to attend according to the Bureau of Indigenous Muslim Affairs. The National Muslim American Nonprofit coordinating the two events claim they are non-political. Yeah, well, right. Uh, <clears throat> it's like Satan saying, you know, it's not political. Whatever he, I mean, as I've said and stated in many previous teachings, in the Quran and their unholy books. It's perfectly fine to absolutely lie through your teeth to your adversaries as long as it advances the agenda, agenda of Allah, which is the moon god. It's not the god of the Bible like they would say it is. Uh, it's the moon god, and we've proven that in other teachings too. Juma at the DNC begins August 29th, and we'll start with a Friday noon Friday afternoon Juma prayer, followed by other unnamed programs and events, leading up to the Islamic Regal Banquet. Now, just so you know, I am the keynote speaker at the banquet. I mean, they, they've heard me, they're a big fan of me, I can't blame them. I've been kind to Islam over the past, I haven't exposed their hypocrisy, I haven't exposed all the pedophilia issues and all the wife-beating issues and the genital mutilization, mutilation of little girls and the dancing boys in Afghanistan issues and all of the hypocrisy and the terrorism and, you know, I haven't exposed any of that. So, yeah, they like me. They, they kind of think I'm a fun guy. So, anyway, um, yeah, the following day will be an all-day Islamic cultural and fun fest. Now, when I think of Islam, that's the word that pops into my head. Fun. I'm talking fun. They put the fun in fundamental. Uh, anyway, so the all-day cultural and fun fest, which will include discussions on the topics of Islamophobia. Oh, now we've got to get real politically correct because we can't say anything against this wicked cult that, you know, wreaks more evil than just about any other cult on planet Earth. Islamophobia, Annie Shahara. Uh, the Middle Eastern Crisis, the Patriot Act, National Defense Authorization Act, and more. 
The purpose, according to the B- BMA, is to attract national and international attention. I'm thinking I have like a guy that's doing like balloon animals and you know the chili cheese dog stand on the side. I oh no, they can't have pork. <laughs> no, that's probably not going to go over too well. Be funny if they had like a vendor out there and he just everything was pork. You know, every kind of pork dish you could possibly get. You know, what I mean. Anyway, um, so the purpose, according to the BIMA, is to attract national and international attention to the plight. The plight. We need to understand this is a. There is such a plight with Islam. They deserve our utmost pity. I, I just, you know, our hearts need to go out to them because of their their plight. We're going to look a lot at their plight today. Because this, this is a subject that's really near and dear to my heart. Um, and we're going to really take a good look at their plight today. And just, just remember that. And remember this first lead article where we're actually having these people as one of the center things that they're focusing on at the Democratic National Convention. So, they're going to try to attract national and international attention to the plight of American Muslims and to hold political parties accountable for issues that affect them. <clears throat> However, not all Muslims feel the BM, BIMA represents them, and Zudi Jasser, who is an MD, founder and president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, has expressed serious concerns. Now, I could, I'm not saying I agree with this guy, and, and what he's saying actually is true, but... These people that act like they're moderate Islam and, oh, we don't have any desire to actually impose Shahara law or to take over the planet or to, you know, put our boots on your neck and chop off your heads like Allah commands us to do in the Quran. We, we have no desire for... Well, then, you know what? You need to change cults because you're not being fundamental to what your cult faith tells you to do. The ones that are going out blowing up the Jews strapping on the nail bombs, or, or whoever else they're trying to kill, blowing up buses, doing the fun stuff that these radical Muslim terrorists do. And again, it's all about fun. Um, to them, I, evidently. You're not, you're not talking for them. You're not talking for people that are being fundamental to the faith of Islam. Because they're actually the ones from an, an Islamic Quranic standpoint and other unholy writings of Islam, they're the ones that are in the right. They're the ones being fundamental to their faith. Because that's what the Quran and these unholy writings and their clerics and mullahs or whoever tell them to do. So they're being lukewarm. They would be the equivalent of like a lukewarm Christian. You know, like the frozen chosen type of deal. Uh, so this is one of those guys, this Zudi Jasser, MD, President of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. <clears throat> we have no common ground with them, is the point I'm trying to make. We have no, there's no dialogue that, that we should be having with these people, other than, you know, separating from them and, and exposing their wickedness, because this is a very insidious cult. And they're getting so much help from the New World Order in advancing their agenda through the Illuminati, who is giving them the green light to do basically about anything they want. Okay? So, the leaders of this event, Jibril Ho and Imam 
Siraji Wahaji, I don't know if I'm getting their names right, as advertised, are no moderates. They are radicals. These individuals embrace Islamic supremacy and have demonstrated support for radical ideologies. And there's pictures of these guys. I mean, these, I'm sorry, but those, those imam dudes, I mean, they all look collectively so demon-possessed. It's like, wow, you would follow this guy. Okay. Um, a quick Google search by the DNC would have shown them that Ho and Wahaji are leaders in a separatist American Islamic movement. While they may be able to get a few thousand Muslims to attend the event, they are not going to be the mainstream Muslims. Again, you know what? When radical Islam fully gets anywhere in any particular country, once they get, and I've given you the statistics before, once they get beyond a certain percentage of the population, look at what's going on in Dearborn, Michigan right now, where they actually literally stoned those guys. Now, those guys were doing a lot to provoke, okay? So, you know, I don't think you should cut off the head of a pig, mount it on a stick, and put all these inflammatory statements on things toward Islam and expect not to have any repercussion. Okay, now I'm not I'm not defending Islam, but when you cut the head off a pig and you march it through their festival, yeah, they're probably going to react. The fact is, is it showed, though, the venom that came out of the Islam, and particularly those kids. I mean, all of the... I mean, I don't know if I was watching it. I mean, it's like every derivation of any cuss word you could have ever heard coming out of these like 10 year olds and 12 year olds and 15 year olds and and the cops did nothing about it and they let them stone these i mean they were literally throwing chunks of cinder blocks at these guys this last dearborn michigan you know and no that's not right and that is garbage but they did go in there you gotta admit they pretty much went in there trying to provoke them i mean with what they had in front of them so you know, but it did it did show you what happens when you have an Islamic majority in any spot where the cops won't do anything about it. They will. I mean, if they could have, they would have killed those guys, guaranteed. If they could have got away with it, they would have stoned them, beheaded them, and killed them. I, I would have guaranteed it, and they would have done that. I guarantee, you, if they would have tried to pull that off in Iran or something, they would have all been dead. That's Islam, the religion of peace. You know. Why can't we all just get along is their, is their motto, you know? So, anyway, um, a quick Google search of the DNC would have shown them Hoan Wahhabi are leaders in the separatist Islamic uh, movement. Most likely, they're not going to get mainstream Muslims at this convention. Most, most likely will come through Hoan Wahana's radical networks that have long been entrenched in the Charlotte area. So, it's not enough for the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, to invite moderate Islamists to speak. No, they've got to invite the radicals and bring their followers in, you know, to actually go to this convention. <laughs> so I thought that was that that was rather uh, unbelievable. Now, this was a um, alert I got from Liberty Council and Matt Staver. And it's entitled, Help Expose the Danger Posed by Radical Islamists to Our National Security. Muslim extremists, including the Muslim Brotherhood, have repeatedly called for annihilation of Israel and the great Satan, the United States of America. The Muslim Brotherhood, and I'm not saying we're perfect, or Israel's perfect either, okay? But I'm telling you right now, their agenda is total annihilation of both Israel and 
all really infidels in the world. But the first they would they would go after would be Israel, kill every man, woman, and child. It's what they're they're told to do. They have to do. They've stated it many times. And we will prove that again in today's teaching. And then the great Satan, the America. And then ever any other infidel that would dare not convert to Islam. Again, the religion of peace. The Muslim Brotherhood's goal is to see Islamic Shahara law as the governing political and religious legal code over every facet of the United States. This is what they do in every country they infiltrate. Once they get beyond a certain percentage, they will implement this. They will get into the court systems. It's called Creeping Shahara. And this is what they do. Um, their goal is total world domination. In light of recent form, I mean, you have to look at their religious ideologies to understand why I say that. It's, it's just a stated fact. Allah must rule the world. Okay, the moon, cult moon, devil, fallen angel, God, Allah, he's not God, he's just a fallen angel, must rule the world according to them. Okay, so in light of the recent foreign and domestic policies viewed to be favorable to Muslim activities, five members of Congress have issued formal requests to the U.S. government inspector generals, two members of Congress, uh, two members of Congress have issued formal requests to the U.S. government inspector general to investigate potential Muslim Brotherhood infiltration into key positions inside our government, which is also another big part of their plan. The request, and again, when you have a Muslim as our president, it's going to be a very favorable environment for actual infiltration of the Muslim Brotherhood into our own government when we have a Muslim as president. Okay, so, uh, going further... The request was designed to uncover the extent to which Muslim Brotherhood-tied individuals and entities have helped achieve the adoption of Islam-friendly policies and initiatives. The letter states, quote, information has come to light raising serious questions about the involvement of organizations and individuals within the Muslim Brotherhood. Given that the U.S. government has established in federal court that the Muslim Brotherhood's mission in the United States is, quote, to, is destroying, quote, destroying the Western civilization from within. Now, these are things they've all admitted to. Now, you know, and then they'll get, oh, no, we, we didn't, no, that was just, that was whatever. No, they've made all of their intentions crystal clear over and over again. And, again, it's just they act one way, one minute, and one way the other. A double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. And whatever... Whenever they need to advance their agenda, they can act. They can act like we're going to play nice. We'll play nice. We promise. Just like Israel with Israel, where Israel keeps giving them land and land and land, and every time they give them land, the only reward Israel ever gets is they just move their rockets in a little closer. That's the reward they get, and show themselves to be the liars that they are because they have no honor or integrity, and yet they go around and they act like they're so morally pure. This is the one thing that gets me. And then you see the stuff they do to their little girls with the genital mutilation. The way they treat their wives. And, I mean, just like garbage and dirt and how every aspect of the females is so suppressed. And, you know, what they do, um, and, and then this whole creepy thing about them having these temporary marriages to, like, you know, three-year-old girls. And Muhammad, who was their whatever prophet, married Aisha at the age of six. But supposedly he didn't, he didn't uh, consummate the marriage to the age of nine. So we're talking about a, 
a, the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We're talking about a long lineage of pedophiles, okay, which in God's eyes is probably, you know, one of the absolute worst things you could possibly do. We have a long lineage. We have the foundation of Islam, established, firmly established in pedophilia. The dancing boys of Afghanistan, do a keyword search for that on YouTube. That'll, that'll turn your stomach. I mean, we're talking some really, 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 really sick sexual stuff going on in that cult religion. And they act like they're so morally better and upright and, and how their, their societies haven't been corrupted in any way, shape, or form. You know, that's what gets me about them, the hypocrisy. You know, it reminds me a lot of the Catholic Church. It's just a different flavor, a much different flavor. But um, let's go further here. Okay, so given that the U.S. government has established in federal court that the Muslim Brotherhood's mission in the United States is, quote, destroying the Western civilization from within, a practice the Brotherhood calls civilization jihad. See, all of this is calculated. All of these things they're doing now in America, they've already done it in other places, it's, it's, it's incrementalism. Okay? Uh, we believe that the apparent involvement of those with such ties raises serious concerns that warrant your urgent attention. And I would add in prayers as well. Praying specifically against this wickedness. Because this is pure wickedness. See my teaching on Psalm 64. Just key in Psalm in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, which is pertinent to the subject. So here's a link you can click on if you want to read more and sign a petition for full investigations on this infiltration of the Muslim Brotherhood uh, into the government. Next article. Iran's President Ahmadinejad, one of my favorites, says Israel's existence is an insult to all humanity. Uh, Israel's existence is an insult to humanity, uh, said Ahmadinejad Friday in one of his sharpest attacks yet against the Jewish state, as Israel openly debates whether to attack Iran over its nuclear program. Ahmadinejad said confronting Israel is an effort to, quote, protect the dignity of all human beings. Like he, like he really cares about that. I mean, this is a guy that actively believes, and believes in the coming Imam Mahdi, their awaited savior, and basically says he's going to be one of Imam Mahdi's right-hand, mans, right-hand men, which is... You know, so he's he's really wanting to get the, the show on the road, so that the Imam Mahdi will make his appearance. The existence of the Zionist regime is an insult to all humanity. He then says, "Here's another. Uh, I guess um, I don't know. The same day he spoke at a different spot. At Iran's Ahmadinejad, President Ahmadinejad, told an annual anti-Israel protest in Tehran on Friday that the Jewish state was a quote cancerous tumor that will soon be excised." Now that means, if, if in a surgical term, that means you know you're going to go in and remove the tumor. Okay, drawing this drew Western rebukes. Then he goes on to say, "quote The nations of the region will soon finish off the usurper Zionists in the Palestinian land. A new Middle East will definitely be formed with the grace of God and the help of the nations. In a new Middle East, there will be no trace of the Americans and Zionists." End of quote. Now. I started the point before, but all of these people that claim to be moderates, that's a bunch of garbage. Because I guarantee you, they will all jump on the Islamic bandwagon 
even if they truly are in their heart feeling Zionistic or not Zionistic, moderate, they will they will be mightily compelled to jump on the Islamic bandwagon, just like they are in every other country, when radical Islam, you know, implements its agenda. They have a duty. Okay, a lot of them are just saying that and they're not even that anyway. They just claim to be moderates. It's all telling us what we want to hear. You know, like, oh yeah, we really are a religion of peace. We just have this one small group over here. No, that is Islam. That is Islam in its purest form. You study its unholy books. It is. So, he's saying that um, there will be a new Middle East and there will be no trace of the Americans and Zionists. Okay, so because they're going to wipe us totally off the map. They're going to wipe the seed of, of America and Israel totally out. That's what they believe. Well, I would say to you, President Ahmadinejad, hear the word of God. So I'm going to give you some verses and let you chew on them. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. Abram, the father of, of, of Israel, of the Jewish race, okay, Israelis. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob had the twelve sons, the twelve tribes, okay? This is Israel we're talking about. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. Now, when did God remove this? When did God remove this uh, promise here? This, this, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where he said that. Yes, Israel many, many times went into apostasy. They still are right now. The Bible even says that blindness in part has happened to Israel regarding the times we're living in, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Romans uh, see, uh, Romans 11. Okay, God's clearly not done with Israel, and we're going to talk about that more. Okay, and There's a lot of people, though, out there that want to argue with me, say, oh, they're done with them, and I believe in British-Israelism, or I am a black Hebrew roots movement guy, or I believe in Christian identity, and, uh, yeah, there's so many different... Literally, I call them cults, Christian pseudo-cults out there that want to say, God's done with Israel, we're, we're Israel now. We are, we are literal Israel. Okay, is that why the Bible says in Revelation 7, he literally gives the names of the 12 tribes by name and says that they will be Jewish male virgins, if you read uh, Revelation 7 and 14, and, you know, each... 12 tribes, by the tribe, and you're, you're going to spiritualize that and say, oh, no, that actually means like Lower Albania, the first tribe, and the other one is Upper Siberia. And, and I'm like, where, do you, where are you getting this? You have got to totally rewrite the Word of God to your cult belief system in order to buy into that. I'm just going to believe what the Word of God says and believe it, okay? God's not done with the Jews. We're going to prove that today. And it doesn't mean I think the Jews are perfect and they can do no wrong and everything they do is right and that there's not Zionistic of the synagogue of Satan. Um, people that call themselves Jews but they're of the synagogue of Satan as Revelation talks about. I'm not saying that's not the case either. Okay, so I try to have some type of biblical balance when it comes to this subject. Or, or like John Hagee who literally believes that we don't even need to witness to the Jews because they're grandfathered in. Essentially, it's called ethnic salvation because they're Jews. 
because of the blood that flows through their veins, essentially, that they get to go into heaven, get out of jail, free card pass. It's called ethnic salvation. It's what a lot of people um, in the John Hagee crowd and those types believe. Or the ones that believe we got to be like the Jews and we got to start wearing prayer shawls and, and, you know, doing all this Jewish stuff that in the Hebrew Roots movement. I've, I've, I've exposed that. So I have had, tried to have biblical balance when it comes to this subject. Okay? Because I'm accused both ways. When I, when I put up a teaching like this, I'm like, listen, I've exposed both sides of this issue. Okay? But we've got to be able to biblically reconcile this stuff. Particularly in the end times. Particularly moving into the times we're moving in, into with on the verge of World War III. So, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. Ooh, that doesn't bode well for Islam. Because all they ever do is curse the Israelites. That's all they ever do. That's their life. Maybe it's why it seems like they are under a curse. I mean, look at their infrastructure. Look at the way they live. Look at the barbaric conditions, the poverty, and, and the way that they live, and just the, ugh. I mean, it's you talk about repressed, for the most part. Yeah, you have your exceptions, your Saudi Arabian kings that live in these palatial mansions, but I'm talking about, and again, they may be radical Islamists, most likely they are, and they're still repressed from a spiritual standpoint, but I'm just talking about in general. If you look at the Middle East, man, that's not a place I even want to go. I mean, not, Iran, Iraq, those types of places, not really on my um, list of things to do list, you know, wanting to go over there and do a lot of tourism and stuff, you know. I see the fruit of what goes on over there. And so, I will bless them, bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth, earth be blessed. Um, really, the, the main way that was probably manifested was when Jesus Christ was born in the Jewish lineage and um, that was probably the fullest example no, it was the fullest example of that so, going further, 2 Samuel seven twenty two and 23 says, wherefore thou art great, O Lord for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears and what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt. Remember how he pulled the Israelites out of Egypt, okay? In the 40 years in the wilderness, you know? Okay, that's what they're in reference to here. Uh, from the nations and their gods. Okay, so again, the very first part of that verse, and what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel. Okay. Jeremiah 31.10 Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare in the isles afar off, and say, He, now this is capitalized um, in the King James Bible, He, H, is capitalized, so we're talking about God, he that scattered Israel, okay, will gather him and keep him. Isn't that what just happened in the last, was 67 years, with Israel being regathered into the nation of Israel? Were they not scattered? When they said um, to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, you know, 
He says, okay, do you want Barabbas or Jesus Christ? you want the murderer or do you want the innocent, perfectly sinless Lamb of God that was slain before the earth? He didn't say it in those terms, but that was what he was basically saying. They said, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus, let his blood be upon us and our children. They literally imposed a curse on themselves. And I've done a whole study on that, on um, the biblical reasons for the Israel's affliction. Just key in affliction, I think you'll find it in the keyword search box. It's an older teaching I did. But they brought themselves under a curse and they were scattered. Okay, Now, obviously, yes, there's been other times they've been scattered in the Old Testament as well. But this is kind of the pattern. So it says, he that scattered Israel, he, capital H, this wasn't at the start of a sentence, this was after a, a comma. So we're talking about God. God did it. Okay? He did it to chasten them. That's why he does it. He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. Okay? So there's always that promise that even though God scatters Israel, he's going to regather them and keep them. Okay? Remember, blindness in part has happened to Israel, and this is New Testament, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So, when the emphasis which has been on the Gentiles for salvation, when that emphasis comes to a close, which will probably be, I believe, in somewhat conjunction with the start of the tribulation, then more of the salvation emphasis is going to shift to the Jews because blindness in part has happened to Jew until then they're going to start getting their eyes opened. Now, it's not going to fully happen until near the end of the tribulation, and we'll look at some of those verses too, but if you look in Zechariah in the later chapters, you'll see that manifest as well. I've went over those many times, those verses. So, Joel 3.2. God speaking, I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Now, this is a symbolical name of the valley near Jerusalem, which is the place of the ultimate judgment on the heathen that come against Israel. Okay? So, remember, this is the valley near Jerusalem, which is the place of ultimate judgment on the heathen. This would be like Islam, or any other heathen. That come against Israel. But obviously, is, do, does Israel really have any more bigger enemy on planet Earth as far as a cult goes than Islam? I don't think so. They're surrounding all, all sides by them, essentially. So, and then it goes on to say in the Bible, I will plead with them for my people, God refers to Israel as his people, and for my heritage Israel. Now this is basically like, we're talking, you know, end of tribulation. We're talking, you know, Armageddon type material here. So, God says, I will plead with them there. He's going to plead with the heathen there, the ones that have come against Israel there. For my people and for my heritage, Israel. He says it right there. Oh, but God's done with the Jews. Yep, yeah, he's done. Lock, stock, and barrel. There's all this Bible, though, to prove the opposite. This is just a small little study to refute that. So, and then he goes on to say, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Scattered among the nations? Which really started after, you know, pretty much 70 AD with the destruction of, you know, Jerusalem and the Jews were scattered and, you know, 
again, it was partly due, I really believe mainly due to the curse they had brought upon themselves when they rejected Jesus Christ corporately. Not obviously the apostles were Jewish, so not all rejected, but the majority did from a corporate standpoint, uh, Israel. Um, but let me read this again. I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. I mean, again, that's all you've seen since Israel became regathered around 1948 in, in that time frame. Because, you know, obviously they've parted the land, parted the land, given more away, given more away, given more away. I had put up a map not too recently in one of my studies on how much land they've given away. It's a massive amount. They parted the land that was supposed to be, you know, Israel's, and they've, you know, so this is in reference to, you know, modern day Israel, I believe. It's very clear. Uh, Joel, then if we jump ahead to Joel 3.11, it says, Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen. This would be what I would say to Ahmadinejad. This is what his future is. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. And then it says, let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There's that term again, valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, and the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. These are specifically in reference to the heathen that have come against Israel. Okay? I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations a part of my land. That was Joel 3.2. I just wanted to remind you that. Okay, so, next verse. Multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. This is not reference, in, reference to them getting saved. Okay? The decisions, pretty much, their decisions already been made. They've chosen the God they were going to serve. In other words, the heathen have. They've made that decision. Okay, Next verse, which, I, which I'm going to tie in and prove this is end times we're talking about. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw from their shining. Hmm, where else does it say that in the Bible? Well, if we go to Matthew, which is New Testament, 24, 29, and through 30, Jesus Christ talking... Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. Doesn't that sound familiar to what we just read in Joel? Yeah, it's exactly. Okay, so we're in, we're in reference to the same event here. The end of the tribulation. Okay, when the nations are gathered together against Israel. In the valley, you know, they're in this reference they're talking about the valley of Jehoshaphat. Armageddon like thing we're talking about here. So, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. Now, let's read Joel 3.15 again. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall fall, shall withdraw their shining. So, this is the thing that we're seeing here too. The sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the sun's, the stars shall fall from heaven. They're not going to give light at that point. And the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Next verse in the New Testament, Matthew twenty four thirty, and then shall the, shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, because they're going to understand who they who they were going against. They were going to they're going to fully get their eyes open. These tribes of the earth, 
and, and realize, you know, oh boy, <laughs> the tribes of the earth are going to mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The, the, any Islamist that might be left is going to see, you know what, I've been serving a, a pagan false fallen angel this whole time. Allah is, is nothing more than, than a fallen angelic, the moon god. Here, he's going to have his eyes open and he's going to actually, let's say a, a typical Islamist, will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He's going to real, finally realize what's, what's the truth. There's going to be no, no mistaking it. So back to Joel, Joel 3.16, The Lord shall roar out of Zion, and, which is another um, way of saying Jerusalem. Okay, and shall utter his voice from Jerusalem. And again, we have confirmation of that there. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. Well, isn't Jesus Christ, when he comes back, gonna, you know, isn't that where he's going to set down? Yeah, so Jerusalem, it's just more confirmation. This is end time, uh, end of tribulation scenario that we're, where we're talking about here. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Oh, but God's done with the Jews. He's done with the Jews. He's just naming them specifically by name over and over and over again in this end time battle scenario when Jesus Christ comes back. Jerusalem specifically mentioned. It says, but the Lord, the hope of his people and the strength of his children Israel. Oh, but the, the God's done with the Jews. I mean, sure. I mean, obviously. I can't, I can't understand how I ever got that idea in my head. It's so ludicrous. You know? So, next verse. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, Jerusalem. Okay, where Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. You know, at the start, uh, basically at the end of the tribulation. Yes, more confirmation of that. My holy mountain, then shall Jerusalem be holy. Why does it say then? Because it's not holy now. Okay, there's a lot of problems there now. Okay, um... But then it shall be holy. It's not that we're not supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, like the Bible says, and bless Jerusalem. But, you know, then it will truly be holy when Jesus Christ comes back. Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness. Now, I believe this is also representative of, of the nations that surround Israel that are Islamic. And I don't think there's any, that's any satanic accident, if you know what I mean. In other words, Satan has prepositioned Israel's worst enemies all around them. And, you know, so that, you know, talk about feeling like you're being bared down on by pure evil. Well, that's how Satan has orchestrated it. Just like Satan made sure that when the, um, the Israelites went in to possess the promised land after the 40 years, after the one generation had died off and they went in, he made sure he had... His, you know, most evil, in this particular case, a lot of them were actually giant races and Nephilim, prepositioned in the promised land so that that would, you know, probably intimidate and frustrate and, 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 you know, get into the head of the Israelites ahead of time. He's doing the same thing here. He's got them surrounded right now. So, going further... Uh, Egypt shall be a desolation and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness. Now, these are indicative of obvious land masses... Um, and now would, would be in considered Islamic dominated land masses, and they're going to be desolate. Okay, for well, let me just read this in its full context. Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Israel. You see any of that now with the radical Muslim agenda? 
No, they've got no violence toward toward Israel. That that thing that they have said over and over that if if Islam laid down its weapons toward Israel, they would have peace. Yet, if Israel laid down its weapons toward Islam, the <laughs> Islam would come in there and destroy and slaughter every man, woman, and child unabated and unimpeded. That's the difference between Israel and Islam. Okay? And again, I'm not saying Israel's perfect, but that's an absolute fact that's been stated over and over again. That's the difference between the two. One of the differences, at least. So, Egypt shall be a desolation, Edom shall be a desolate wilderness, for, why? For the violence against the children of Judah. Because they have shed innocent blood in their land. Okay, and again, you see examples of this all the time. That bus that just got blown up in uh, that one country there, and they, it was that Islamist guy, he had a bomb, and I think it went off, I don't think it went off exactly when he wanted it to go off, but it blew up that bus, you know. And it was just so happened to be an Israeli tourist group. I mean, they do, if, if they would get away, if they could get away with that, they'd do it all day long. They want to kill everyone, and they want to kill us too, the great Satan. But first, they got to prioritize their their main, their main, the focus of their main goal is total eradication and annihilation of Israel. Um, going further, Joel three twenty. But Judah shall dwell forever. That's what I say to you, Ahmadinejad. Judah shall dwell forever. You're never going to wipe Israel off the map. Yeah, you may kill, you may kill a whole bunch, but boy, oh boy. <laughs> What you got waiting for you is so much worse than anything you could do for them. Now, granted, I understand that, that, that Israel right now is not in a saved corporate state. And again, we've talked about that subject in times past and uh, regarding Israel and, and how they will actually get saved. And yes, it will be more toward the end when, they, when their eyes will finally be open. They'll look upon you know, Jesus as, and mourn for him as they would mourn for their own son, their only begotten son that had been killed. They're going to finally get their eyes open toward the end. One third, the other two thirds, it appears, will be actually killed, and it may be due to, you know, the Islamic things that are going to be put against them. This war that's coming, but two thirds of the Jews will be killed, according to Zechariah, and one third will come through this fire and will be refined as silver, according to Zechariah. That's the one third that will be saved of Israel. Okay, so, but Judah shall dwell forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation. For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I love reading those types of verses. This type of subject really gets me fired up. Uh, and it's so black and white. It's so easy to see, you know, where we need to have our thought patterns regarding this, this whole subject. Now, let's get a little more confirmation on this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this wonderful little uh, three or four minute clip. And it's entitled, Iran and Hezbollah, Issue Warnings to Israel. This was just done on August 20th of 2012. And um, this guy's going to be talking. Okay, so I got this video. Now, I'm going to, I can't really play the video because he's talking in another language. But what I want to do is like let you hear his voice a little bit. And then I'll be reading what he's actually saying. Because they're translating it on the screen. Obviously, 
this is an audio, so I can only translate it for you. But, but I, I do give you the link if you want to watch it. It's another one of those good old demon-possessed imams up there giving his, his demonically-possessed Islamic people a nice little pep talk. And it's entitled, is Iran, Hezbollah, issue warnings to Israel. Uh, tens of thousands will perish if attacked. Again, they attack them all day long. They can lob missiles at them constantly. You know, that's, but to them, that, that, that's not attacking. No. I mean, it's an act of war almost every day with these guys. You know, I, I, ta- I went into the bomb shelters they got all over, you know, Israel and these types of things, and they have to be willing, ready to go into them on a moment's notice because they, they lob as many missiles as they can over Israel. That, that's not an act of war, though, I guess. But, you know, and they're acting like, you know, if they're attacked, when, th- when Israel has been nonstop attacked, for, you know, essentially decades. So, I mean, I think that Israel's been more than patient, you know, with these people. But you can't reason with Satan, is the way I look at it. I mean, and I mean that by, truly, Satan is, is working through Islam to try to totally annihilate and destroy Israel. Why would that be so important to Satan? Well, just like if he was able to wipe out the seed of mankind in Noah's day, which is what he was trying to do, and he almost pulled it off. I mean, God had to just preserve eight people on the ark and start, basically start over. But had he been able to pull that off, a, a lot of the Old Testament prophets, I mean, Jesus Christ would have never come. There would be nothing to save. A lot of the Old Testament prophecies could have never been fulfilled. Well, likewise, there's so many things specific to Israel that are mentioned in, you know, the Old Testament. Obviously, we've just talked about some today in Joel and in Zechariah and you go to Daniel and then you go to Revelation if if Satan were able to totally eradicate all the Jews then none of those prophecies could be fulfilled Satan is doing this is because he's desperately trying to make the word of God of none effect but he won't do it he can't do it because God is in control. The Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, ever making intercession for the saints, and Satan will not win. Now, he may win some battles, but he's not going to win the war. So, this is a lovely little audio clip we're going to play of this imam giving a little pep talk to his um, Islamic buddies. I'm just going to let you hear the first part. Hezbollah secretary. Oh, hold on. I love this guy. I just can't get enough of him. Uh, okay. Hezbollah Secretary General. So this isn't like some lower level minion. Okay. Some flunky or whatever. No. This is Merami TV. One of my favorite, you know, TV channels. I watch them part time. I'm just kidding. And Hezbollah Secretary General Hassan Nasrallah on Al Manor TV in Lebanon. This was actually recorded August 17, 2012. Now, I'm going to let you kind of hear his voice a little bit, and then I'm going to read what he's saying, and then I'm going to, I'm going to decrease his voice because it's going to be too confusing you trying to get an audio and hearing him and then hearing me give you the interpretation of it, okay? And again, if you don't believe this, go watch it for yourself. So, if I ran were weak, or if it were cowardly, now I'm going to turn down the thing here. If I ran were weak, or if it were cowardly, or if it were yet strong, yet cowardly, Israel would not have hesitated, and there would have been no debate, controversy, or disagreement in Israel. Israel would have bombed the Iranian nuclear facilities long ago. That is a bunch of total stinking garbage. 
Okay? Total garbage. He's, his very own tongue is indicting himself. It's the exact opposite scenario. Okay? Israel has been stronger than them. They've got better technology. They've got, and that's the only reason Iran and the Middle East haven't went in there and slaughtered them. But he's acting like it's the other way around. You know? And I'm like, my word, you're saying the exact same thing you're guilty of. It's the ultimate in the pot calling the kettle black. You know, so first, first gigantic lie. Israel would have bombed the Iranian nuclear facilities long ago. They haven't wanted war with you. You've pushed them into a corner where they've got no choice. Why has Israel not done so yet? Why is there a controversy in Israel whether or not to bomb or not to bomb? Because Iran is powerful and courageous. <laughs> I love this. And because the Israelis know full well, and it shows this crowd of people. I mean, there is a lot of guys here in this audience. Um, but anyway, Israel knows full well. And I, along with all of you, know full well. What I say is not merely an analysis, it is based on fact. No, you're a liar from the pit of hell, but anyway, we'll go further. We all know that the response of the Islamic Republic of Iran will be massive, resounding, and mighty. And in the event that it will is targeted by Israel, moreover, Israel will be presenting Iran with a golden historic opportunity that it has been dreaming of for 32 years. They have been dreaming of annihilating Israel all this time. You know, they've been dreaming. They're openly admitting it. Okay, the religion of peace, remember. I am not claiming that today we are capable of destroying Israel. So it's funny, he backpedals and says, we are so courageous and mighty and wonderful. And But i got to admit, I'm not claiming today we could actually destroy Israel. Because if they could have, they would have. Guaranteed. So he's backpedaling and, and now he's actually admitting that, well, that's the reason, real reason we haven't attacked is because, you know, and he's saying that that was the reason Israel didn't attack. Does it make any sense? One has to be stronger than the other. No, the fact is, is Israel never wanted this war. They didn't want to try to get into some gigantic jihadistic holy war with them. They've been trying to avoid it all these years. But Islam will never, ever, ultimately let that happen. They can't. They have to do everything in their power to ultimately force this war. And see, they're getting real, real cocky right now because of the whole thing that they think Imam Mahdi's coming back. And I'm sure he will. Him and his ascended master buddies, posing as the saviors of humanity. Um, and they think that when he comes back, or the only way he will come back is through massive bloodshed. So they're thinking, well, we might as well get the show on the road and, you know, maybe start this thing or crank it up or put Israel in a position where they got no choice but to attack us. So that way we'll have maximum bloodshed and then we can turn it around, spin it on Israel and say, oh, see, it's all their fault. They're the aggressor. They're this, they're that. And they're like, okay, Mr. Imam Mahdi, when are you going to show up? Come on. We really need your help now. We could use some help right about now. You know, that's probably what they're going to do. So again, he says, I'm not claiming that today we are capable of destroying Israel. (laughs) I am being realistic. So now he admits it. I'm not claiming that Hezbollah has the capability of destroying Israel. I think this is so funny in contrast to the first part of his of this little minute 
thing I went over so far where he's saying how Iran's so courageous and bold and mighty and Israel's afraid of us and that's why they haven't attacked us. And now he's saying we can't destroy him. <laughs> it's like he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Their hypocrisy is always exposed. This would require tremendous capabilities. What I can say, however, is that we were able to turn the lives of millions of Zionist Israelis in all the occupied Palestine into a living hell. <laughs> so that's their goal. They're like, we know we can't beat them right now with our current technology. But what we can do, guys, is make sure we make turn their life into a living hell. That's what we can do. We got that going for us at least. I mean, hey. I mean, how would you like to live under the constant threat of rocket bombardment from all sides if you lived in Israel? They're doing it. It's like a psyop technique. It's like psychological warfare. They know they can't destroy them, but they can just harass them and harass them and, and make their lives just an absolute, you know, this is what they're, they're, anything they can do to make the Israelis' lives miserable. That's how pathetic they are. Can you imagine having your whole life just like focused in on one group of people and your whole, your whole mission is, man, I want to kill as many as I can, but I know I can't because I'm not, I'm not really technologically advanced enough. But what I can do is just make, you know, make their lives so miserable and just anything I can do to harass them. I mean, what a fulfilling existence that would be. I really feel the love of Allah. When, when, I, when I see these types of things. And I really see the fruit of Islam, this religion of peace. So let's go further here. And there, all of his adoring fans are in the audience. We are capable of changing the face of Israel. I say to the Israelis, there are a number of targets in your country. Not a large number. We don't need a large number. These targets may be reached by several precise missiles. A few missiles will suffice. We don't need many. <laughs> I love this guy. He's fun. We possess such missiles. Striking these targets, which will not, we will not name with only a few missiles, will turn the lives of hundreds of thousands of Zionists into a living hell. Well, his heart's in the right place. You can't, you can't take that away from him. You know, he's a fun guy. We may be talking about tens of thousands of fatalities. Not just 300, 400, or 500. Today, on Al-Quid's Day, 2012, I say to all Israelis, we have the coordinates of these targets. <laughs> Unbelievable. Our missiles are set in secret locations and are aimed at these targets. At any stage of aggression against our country, Again, and again, I, I love this because all they've ever done is be the aggressor. You know, that's all they've ever done. And whenever Israel goes to defend themselves, oh, the Zionist Israeli devils from, you know, look at what they did, look at what they did. And, and, these, and these, these cowardly Muslims many times will use children as human shields, Muslim children as human shields. And when they get a bullet in them, they're like, see what they did to my child, you know. Uh, it's... It's just unbelievable what they what they do and, and how they try to twist things and turn things and warp things. So uh, so at any stage of aggression against our country, if we have to strike this type of target in order to defend our people and our country, we will not hesitate to do so. 
This guy really ought to get up into stand-up comedy. I really think he has kind of that Robin Williams-esque type of personality and persona. And I think he could pull it off. He could probably tour Vegas, maybe. I don't know. Maybe do some type of puppet show like Kukla Fran and Ali. Something like that. I would just really love to see one of these uh, Muslim imams just kind of convert over into the uh, comedy scene. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Let's go further. And then he's got everybody standing up now, and they're all shouting Allah, whatever, you know. The Israelis must know this well. Any aggression will cost them dearly. It will not be comparable at all to the cost of the 2006 war. So in other words, you know, you let us do whatever we want to do. And you better not even think about retaliating against us. You you Jewish usurper devils is basically what they're saying. So, you know, um, again, what's not the like about, you know, Islam? I mean, it's just a really, really fun, fun religion. That's all I can say. So, again, let's go further. Let's give you some more confirmation here. Iran commander welcomes the possible Israeli strike, okay? Because I'm seeing all this stuff, a lot of the stuff in the news, and it's all like, yes, Israel's going to attack. Yeah, what is the provocation? I mean... Look at the decades and decades and decades where they've held back, where they've tried to avoid war, where they've gave land for peace, which never, ever works. Where America's tried to force them to give land for peace, and then we have these cataclysmic disasters happen. You know, because we always, whenever we pressure Israel to give up more land, we always have some cataclysmic disaster happen. Believe the books Eye to Eye by Koenig, Bill Koenig. I've, I've got into it before. I've done all kinds of teachings on it where we've documented every time America's done this. We've literally brought a curse on ourselves. Uh, it's a wonder with Obama at, at, at the uh, helm here, as much as guaranteed, as much as he is a, a Muslim and the hatred that they have toward Israel, that we haven't been wiped off the map. Since he's been in office, it's all by the grace of God. But anyway, a senior Iranian commander says a possible Israeli airstrike against his county's nu- his county country's nuclear facilities is welcome because it would give Iran a reason to retaliate and quote get rid of the Jewish state forever. Guaranteed, like I've said, if they could have done it, they would have done it a long time ago. The remarks of General Amir Ali whatever his last name is, head of the Revolutionary Air Force Guard, were reported Saturday by the official IRNA news agency. So again, I mean, these are just some high-level officials in the Muslim, Islam, Iranian, radical Islam community that are saying this very matter-of-factly, how they feel about this. Uh, Next article. Um, Israeli's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is determined to attack Israel before the U.S. elections. Israel's Channel 10 News claimed on Monday night, uh, and Israel is now, quote, closer than ever to a strike designed to thwart Iran's nuclear drive. Okay, but again, it's not because they have this bloodthirst for Islam, like they Islam has for Israel, okay? They can see the handwriting on the wall, they know that they're going, they're, they're pursuing nuclear armament development, and Israel is trying to nip it in the bud before it gets real bad. Now, I'm not defending everything that, you know, Israeli high command or whatever does, or whatever. Like I said, there's, there's, you know, obviously, 
um, other things that we can look at. Okay, I'm not saying there's not a Zionistic synagogue of Satan element in the in the uh, realm of Jewish government in these types of things. And and uh, yes, I understand the Rothschilds did give them and have a lot to do with the Balfour Declaration, which actually gave the seed land to Israel that now we know today is modern day Israel. Okay. But I'm telling you, they're just trying to wipe Israel off the map, and it's not going to happen. Okay, it will not happen. So, um, Israel, Israel's Channel Ten News claimed on Monday night that Israel is now closer than ever to a strike designed to thwart Iran's nuclear drive. Now, again, I do believe this would be World War Three, no doubt. The TV station's military reporter Alon Ben David, who earlier this year was given extensive access to the Israeli Air Force as a train as as it trained for a possible attack, reported that since upgraded sanctions against Iran have failed to force a suspension of the Iranian nuclear program in the past two months. In other words, they've given them every benefit of the doubt, but the upgraded sanctions have failed to force the suspension of the Iranian nuclear program. They're not abiding by the sanctions they're supposed to be under, in other words. It goes on to say, quote, from the Prime Minister's point of view, the time for action is getting closer. Um... Now, why Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is determined to attack Iran before the U.S. elections? He feels, I believe, as though he'll have more leverage if he does it before. In, in other words, in order to possibly get help from the United States, um, that's their thinking process there. So let's go further here. Next article: um, Saudi cleric Salman Oded Oda. A well-known scholar, revered by millions globally, went on a lengthy tirade against the Jews in an interview Monday, which he stated, quote, The role of Jews is to wreak destruction, to wage war, and to practice deception and extortion. I mean, unbelievable how their own black tongues indict themselves. Everything this religion is guilty of, that everything, he just indicted himself. He couldn't have given given a better example of the fruits of Islam. To wreak destruction, to wage war, to practice deception and extortion. (laughs) And yet, he's accusing Israel of the very thing that he and his wicked cult religion is totally guilty of. (laughs) I, I just, I can't get enough of this. You know, so, um... According, this was according to a translation of his remarks by the Middle East Media Research Institute. Uh, Al Od ranted about the use of human blood in Jewish religious rituals. Now, that may be the case of high level Kabbalists, which is one of the highest forms of witchcraft on the planet. But it's not like the norm for every single you know Jewish person. Yeah, we got to go get a pint of uh, human blood down the road, Johnny and do our religious rituals with it, because we're all closet Satanists. Every one of us. That's how they want to paint the Jews, though. As all this wicked band, and and yet they're guilty of the very thing that they're accusing them of. So he ranted about the use of human blood in Jewish religious rituals, which is a notorious anti-Semitic smear commonly referred to as blood libel. Okay, so just so you know, that's been going on for a long time. They, They accuse him of all kind of stuff. It's just unbelievable. He also declared that the Holocaust is an exaggeration. I love this one. Oh, so, okay, well, if it was 3 million Jews and, you know, 3 million other races, is that, is, is that you know, uh, would, would that be acceptable to you, Mr. Cleric? 
would that be, you know, would, are those numbers not exaggerated? I really want to know. You know, I love it how you've, these people come out, you know, and say this stuff, and the facts just totally disprove everything they're talking about. And I'm going to get into that in a second. So he declared the Holocaust, the Jewish Holocaust of Germany, was an exaggeration. And that Jewish people consume the blood of children during a wide-ranging interview in an Arabic television station. So you've got these devils, demon-possessed religious leader devils that get up there and just slander the Jews. And this is what you're brainwashed with from the earliest possible age. And this cult. So you wonder why the people turn up messed up in the head. It's no wonder. So, my comment. Ah, straight from the forked tongue of Satan. Please try to refute this devil. And I give you all this information. The Holocaust was a systematic murder of more than 6 million Jews orchestrated by Adolf Hitler and the not National Socialist Nazi Party in Europe during World War II. There was also a lot of other people, millions of other races that were slaughtered as well. Now here's a video, video doc, documentary on the Nazi Holocaust. And now here. Here is just a little bit, if you're a Holocaust denier, oh, it never happened, even though there's all kind of archive footage, even though there's all kind of first-hand accounts from hundreds, and if not thousands, of our troops who literally saw the, the um, Nazi death camps and the fruits of them, the piles of dead bodies, I mean, the, the, the ovens, the gas chambers, but I guess all that was just made up, you know. You know, Hitler really did love the Jews, and he didn't want to establish the Aryan fifth root race, and he didn't want to eradicate the Jews, and he really treated them really good. I mean, all that's a big lie. I mean, all the, all the first-hand accounts and footage and all the other proof. Well, here's a whole bunch of links you can click on if you don't believe that. On regarding for the Holocaust deniers. There's a bibliography, a glossary, an introductory history, Holocaust and World War II maps, museums and memorials. Now these are all different links. Photographs, restitution claims, timeline of Jewish persecution, what makes the Holocaust unique, World War II table of contents, and then they talk about the Nazi party, their perpetrators, Adolf Hitler one by one, the persecution they underwent uh, under concentration camps, the euthanasia T4 program, Einsatzgruppen, I'm not sure what that is, the final solution, forced labor, the ghettos, the Klinischnacht, the Nuremberg Laws, the war crimes, these are all different links validating the Holocaust and what happened, okay? And then there's um, some links on the Nazi Olympics, the German military, the German business in the Third Reich, and then... Um, there's biographies on Adolf Hitler, Allied liberators, uh, American victims, displaced persons, Holocaust survivors, Jewish victims, Nazi perpetrators, non-Jewish rescuers, uh, Pope Pius XII, how all of these things fit into this equation, in other words. Resistance fighters, the righteous among the nations, and then world reaction to it, uh, all of the documentation there, the Jews in occupied countries, Palestine and the Holocaust, U.S. policy during World War II, war response to the Holocaust, what we knew and when we knew it, um, response regarding saving yourself and your children in the Holocaust, and then the aftermath, which which uh, the links to that are the first use of the term Holocaust, the Holocaust assets and reparations, Holocaust denial, which is a specific link just for that alone. And then tracing family members lost in the Holocaust and then um, 36 questions that are answered about it. So, there's just 
gobs and gobs and gobs of proof that this exactly happened and that this went down. And, you know, um, just there's just a lot of factions that would just love to absolutely deny every aspect of it. So let's go further here. Report. Muslim Brotherhood now starts crucifixions. Now, I'm not making any of this stuff up. This is more wonderful fruit of the of Islam, okay? Middle East media confirmed that during a recent rampage, the Muslim Brotherhood operatives crucified those opposing President Muhammad Morsi naked on trees in front of the presidential palace while abusing others. What a wonderful religion of peace. That's all I can really say. You know, where do I sign up? I don't know why I didn't become a convert years ago. You know, with fruit like this, who can argue with it? You know? So, listen, you oppose Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi. You have no First Amendment. We, we, you, that, that, that's not even anything to us as, as Islam. You oppose him. We crucify you naked on a tree in front of the presidential palace. That's, that's what you get. Okay? Um, it is now being widely reported that the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, who we give tons of money to through the Obama administration to help them, it is now being widely reported that the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt is torturing and executing, quote, corruptors. Okay? Including crucifying people who oppose newly installed President Mo- Mohammed Morsi. Reports say that the most brutal torture is reserved for Christians. Imagine that. Mm. The Obama administration has backed the U.S. Brotherhood and called the Arab Spring uprising in Egypt and other Middle East nations a, quote, success. So good old Obama saying what they're doing over there is a success. And we're we're behind you all the way. You crucify all you want. You kill all the Jews and all the Christians you want. As long as we get our radical Islamic puppet dictators in place, you do whatever you want. You wreak as much havoc. You serve Satan all you want because that's what we're all about too. Which is essentially what we're doing. We're giving them money to do this. Why would we be doing this? Like I've said, they've they've collapsed all these governments in like the last two to three years over there in the Middle East and installed their own radical puppet Islamic dictators. That way, when World War III breaks out, they'll have everybody on the same page. A lot of those other dictators they removed, um, which I'm not saying were perfect, but a lot of those other ones that they've removed in these other countries systematically were not as radical as the people that are being installed now. They didn't really want war with Israel. They probably knew, yeah, it's probably going to be annihilation. There's going to be so much collateral damage, we don't really want to mess with them. But these new ones... You know, they're a whole different breed. That's why good old the good old USA is helping them out and doing this and installing all these devil puppet Islamic dictators in place right now and, and backing the Muslim Brotherhood to do it. Because their heart's in the right place. And again, that's what that's the important part. So let's go further here. Um, so the so the most the most brutal torture is reserved for Christians. Um Obama administration is behind it. Systematic sanitation of those who oppose radical Islam is now taking place in Egypt. Uh, so again, you oppose radical Islam, boy, you're you're about you're about done. You know, you better get on board. And I guarantee you, they're going to be getting on board. All these moderate people that I talked about, guaranteed in this in this society, they're going to be like, wow, <laughs> well, I think I'm going to get real radical real quick. You know, because I got to get on the old Islamic bandwagon. So. Uh, Raymond Ibram, a Middle East expert and terrorism specialist, reports the purging includes the torture and or death of anyone opposed to the control of President 
Muhammad Morsi and his fervent Muslim Brotherhood backers. That seems, you know, seems like they're, you know, a bunch of fun guys to me. The torture includes the barbaric act of crucifixion. I, Ibrahim said extra brutality is reserved for Christians, but the crucifixions are because of Islamic doctrine and are required by the Quran. See, everything they're doing is required by the Quran and their other unholy Islamic writings or whatever. Okay, so let's let's look at the Quran where it talks about this. Surah 533, Surah like a book in the Quran, 533 declares, quote, This is the Islamic, oh, no, this is the recompense of those who fight against God, Allah, and his messenger, and hasten about the earth to do corruption in it. This would be you and I. We oppose, you know, this devil cult religion. They shall be slaughtered or crucified or their hands and their feet shall alternately be struck off. So, hey, I mean, what's not to like about that? But that's what they're saying, you know, that's part of their, their dogma there. That's part of what they're commanded to do. Islamic hardliners use this verse for justification of their torturous acts and employing death by crucifixion. They say the Quran demands it. I would have to agree with them. See, they're just being fundamental to their faith. That's all they're doing. They're being good um, Muslims. Here's another one. Islamic honor murderer boasts of triple killing with uncanny ease as to how he shot and killed his wife, his mother-in-law, and sister-in-law. Uh, from behind the steel bars of his jail cell, Muhammad Ismail, uh, this is in Pakistan, described with uncanny ease how he shot and killed his wife, his mother-in-law, and his sister-in-law. The first shot hit inside of her body, Ismail said. I left her there and went next door and killed my wife's mother and sister. I made sure they were all dead. Then I locked the door and left the house. Without any apparent regret, Ismail said he would do it again. He said, quote, I'm proud of what I did, and that's why I turned myself into the police. Ismail, confession to the triple murder that took place last February in a village in central Pakistan, is a rare and chilling first-hand account of the so-called honor killing. The murder of women who are usually accused of dishonoring their families by being unfaithful or disobedient. Um, the, the story that was just breaking today, I saw it on uh, Steve Quayle's website. The, this elderly lady was essentially, um, she broke up this argument with these five um, Muslim guys in their 20s. This was in Colorado Springs, I think in an apartment complex. And they said, well, do you want to come into our apartment? And she went in there and they gave her something and I think she passed out some kind of... And this was an elderly woman. Okay, These guys are in their 20s. And they brutally uh, sexually assaulted her to the point where the police said they had never seen that kind of internal damage done on any kind type of, of, of sexual uh, assault that they've ever seen. And these five guys... I mean, this just happened. I didn't even include the story today because I, I, my, my format was already set. And I'm like... How sick would you have to be? How demon-possessed to the toenails would you have to be to do something like that? You know, five five guys, five Muslim guys. You know, I guess that's their version of, of fun. That's how they have fun. So, um, this is this is what we're dealing with here. I want to I wanna fully bring out the fruit of Islam for the whole world to see. I really want everybody to get a real grip on the wonderful fruit of this, of this cult. Uh, here's another one. The Islamic honor murder of a British 
uh, girl by her own parents. Uh, this was a CNN thing. I watched it the other day. Atika Schubert takes a look at the honor murder of Shalfia Ahmed, a teen of Pakistani descent who lived in England. She was murdered, dismembered, and dumped into a river. Because she did not want to marry an Islamic man in a prearranged marriage, which which embarrassed her family, because you just can't embarrass the family. I mean, that's what shame they must she must have brought on them that she didn't want to get into a uh, you know arranged marriage with some guy she doesn't even know. Well, to kill her, both parents held her down. Now, could you imagine doing this to your own daughter? Okay, to kill her, both parents held her down and stuffed a plastic bag down her throat to asphyxiate her, uh, and then they dismembered her and dumped her body in the river. You know, that's that, that's true parental love. I'll tell you that is that is really, you know, true parental love. There, it's tough love, real tough love, I guess, uh, Muslim style. You know, so they are now serving both life pres- uh, sentences in prison. And and these devils had the audacity. They were interviewing them, and they both had the audacity to totally do- deny. Oh, we would never hurt our daughter on this. And then. Years later, the, the, the daughter finally came forward, the other daughter finally came forward and turned her parents in and told them what they did. <laughs> I mean, what what weasels, what little hypocritical devils. Why don't, I mean, be like the one guy and at least admit it, you know? No, 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 no. They want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to try to deny it and still serve Allah or whatever. Now, you can see my teachings I've done in times past. I've done so many, but here are, I don't know, six or seven uh, one is entitled Islamic Muslim Agenda and Debauchery Exposed, which is just more the same of today, except different stories. And then the Double Face of Islam, uh, one on Israel, Islam, and World War III. One, one entitled Muslim Islamic Religion Hypocrisy Exposed. One entitled Obama to Abandon Israel While Embracing the Islamic Nations. And then a current event study I did where I talked about this a whole bunch as well. Now I'm going to go ahead and end part two here. And we're going to go to part three next, and hopefully I should be able to get through this study in part three. And uh, we will end here and go to part three. God bless you.